0: Welcome to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. How's it going, Greg?
1: It's going well, Russ. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. You know,
0: what I was thinking the other day, we always, we always, like, we sound so optimistic about our shows, right? Like, we're always, like, we're always happy. We're always like, oh, we're excited (laughs) for this. We're always excited. Like, does that make us sound like we we can't be on the other side of this, where we can't tell each other something? Like, we, we can't give honest feedback about something. Does, does it make it sound like that at all, you think?
1: You know, I never thought of that. Uh, I don't think it does because, you know, I never took myself to the other side as a listener to our show because I know how many conversations you and I have, and we're always critiquing ourselves and figuring right. out better ways <laughs> right. to do the show. So internally, we're having these conversations, but I never put myself in the seat of the audience to figure yeah. out whether they think we're just way too fun. <laughs> right. We're so just having a good time out here and we're not digging in deeper and trying to continually improve the show.
0: Right. Well, you know, one time, one time I had, I had a manager one time uh, in my career that actually said, well, Russ, you know, you're, you're such a positive guy or yeah, uh, I don't think you could have that kind of difficult conversation with somebody when I needed to give that person on my team mm. feedback. And I was like, well, I think a person can still be positive still be, um, you know, well liked and, and, and still give feedback that's difficult and still have those difficult conversations, no matter, like, even if you kind of on the front of it, you are happy, <laughs> you know? you're, you're kind, you're, you're like, you know, you want to be liked by your team and you want your, you know, you want your team to like you, you want to like your team, Right. But still, you can have those difficult conversations, and I, I think that those difficult conversations actually lend well to getting along better with your team.
1: Well, I think it's you know it comes from a place of authenticity. You know, exactly. knowing you for as long as I have, you know, it's not something that you're putting on a front that you're just happy. You know, that that's your demeanor. It, it, it's actually who I am. <laughs> it is who you are. It's who I am as well. We we are you know fairly positive people. But when we do have those conversations, and you know we're getting deep into uh, you know feedback for somebody that we may be working with or a client, I think they take it more seriously because it is kind of a change in our tone, and we're not, you know we're we're taking it very seriously, and they take it more seriously yeah. because they see that change.
0: Right. Well, I, I remember uh, early on in my career. So this is you know when I and we we've talked about this plenty of times on the show and our you know we've talked about leadership and and like you know interviewing and hiring people and how nobody's really trained at this stuff right you just have to like on the job training you're learning as you go right you're learning how to be a manager you're learning how to be a leader you're learning how to run a company but yet when you when you're hiring somebody they, they think you know what you're doing. <laughs> like, you, you don't well, really
2: luckily
1: I, we have somebody here with us today that's gonna help us
0: with that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Cause you know we may think we know what we're doing, but we we gotta bring experts on the show to help us out with that.
1: Well today we have one of those experts. Charmaine Hammond is with us. She's an expert in communication and conflict resolution. Um that's just a tip of the iceberg of what Charmaine does. She really has just a, an amazing resume of, of things that she's involved with. But, uh, Charmaine, welcome to DIY for Business.
2: Thank you. And I've really been enjoying the conversation the two of you were having.
1: See, we were very open about it, right? I was going to ask you, yes. did we do okay?
2: <laughs> yes. And, you know, one of the parts of your conversation when when you were saying that, Sometimes we don't know what we're doing, you know, we're, yeah. we're winging it. And that happens all the time in communication and conflict resolution because uh, out of the thousands and thousands of organizations that I've worked with, when I interview them and, and kind of poll them to see how much training they've had on conflict resolution mm-hmm. or communication, not talking leadership or culture building just on those two topics the majority of people say zero to three hours and when you look at it from a leadership perspective you have leaders spending 40 percent of their their working week dealing with conflict and yet have often Mm -hmm. no training to support them
0: right right yeah Go yeah.
2: Go
1: go ahead Russ. oh no no go ahead greg see see we're being nice to each other
2: See, exactly.
1: (laughs) So cooperative. Our first conflict, and we figured out how to resolve it. (laughs) I'm going to ask the question first. (laughs) So, because these leaders, you know, uh, in management don't have the proper training, what are some of the mistakes that they kind of fall into that Mm -hmm. you help them with?
2: Yeah. And leaders and teams, there's a lot of mistakes. Some people have a natural. Uh, communication skill. I will say that some people come to it very naturally and it's just I'm gonna use your words, Russ, it's part of who you are when you were talking about being um, positive. Some people have those skills, but when we don't have strong communication skills or conflict resolution skills, some of the mistakes that happen is, number one is people use what we call you language. You never, Mm, you mm -hmm. always, you Mm, should've. (laughs) And though the words you tend to create defensiveness in the other person and they retaliate verbally. We really want to reframe our messages to be I messages. Another, um, when I was a mediator, uh, my first career was actually working in the correctional system as a jail guard and correctional officer. So I learned a lot about communication and conflict. Wow! Went back (laughs) and what not to do. Right, yeah. (laughs) And then went back to school and got trained as a mediator. So as I'm mediating all these workplace and business conflicts, one of the things that I thought most interesting is the majority of people that I met with uh, were, I'm using air quotes here, but winging it. Um, they would go into some of the most important conversations in their career with no preparation mm. and worrying about it at two in the morning. That's not preparation, that's worrying. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, that, <laughs> and that lack of preparation impacts everything. And the third mistake I would say is that um, people struggle to manage history and emotions. There's a lot of drama that happens in, in especially those real tough conversations and conflict Mm -hmm. and difficult dialogue, and you're juggling a lot. And when we don't manage history and we don't manage emotions, the conversation and the conflict just kind of feels like a moving snowball going downhill fast.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember on that whole preparation thing, I remember When I when I hired my first person, like you know, and and I I was very lucky. I didn't really have many issues with with you know my team. I had one problem that was just like, okay, this is not not good at all. Like, I need to have a sit down, serious conversation with this person. And I started like, okay, well, how should I do that? like, what should I say? And I happened to be at a, at a business meeting that was right next to a bookstore. I ran into the bookstore and I was like, I- I'm going to get a book. <laughs> so I quickly read this book on like, you know, dealing, you know, like how to deal with difficult conversations and uh, as a manager, and I go through the book, I read it. And then I don't think, I don't, I don't think I followed much of the advice from the book because what I said was, well, here's what happened what do you, what do you, what's your take on what happened? And just by asking a few questions, you know, the, the kind of who, what, where, you know, like yep. when type of questions with him, I was able to work out and I did very little talking. I just asked a lot of questions and, and he did all the talking and really it, it turns out, well, you know, it, it, what had happened wasn't I, I don't feel like it was really his fault. I, I felt like if I was in his situation, I would have done the same thing. Um, and it, it all worked out pretty good, but just by asking a lot of questions. Um, mm. is, is that like, how do, you, how do you advise people to do that? Do you, do you like that whole, just asking a bunch of questions? Oh,
2: yeah. Questions are very powerful. And when we're under a lot of stress, when we're worried about a conversation, we typically dive into statement making. We, we end up making mm-hmm. a lot of statements and which means we're talking about this, the, the conversation or conflict or disagreement at a very surface and positional level. It's those questions that allow you to dig deeper to find out why is that person so upset or what really happened. And you really, uh, when you talked about, uh, Russ, when you talked about those questions who what where when why and how open ended questions they are the most powerful questions in difficult dialogues because when we revert to what is natural for us did you would you could you will you those questions mm-hmm. shut down the dialogue yeah because it's kind of a yes or a no answer and when there's a lot of them coming at you it feels much like an interrogation open ended questions can help also Alleviate or identify assumptions, and there is a lot of assumptions in miscommunication and conflict. In fact, it's often the assumptions that that are made that are not checked out and clarified that kind of bring everything to the surface or bring everything to a head.
1: Yeah, I think asking those questions sometimes really gets your understanding of the other person's point of view. Yes. And when you understand the other person's point of view, sometimes they need to understand they're coming from a wrong place. Yeah. You know, just mm-hmm. because you're asking the questions mm-hmm. and they're giving you authentic answers of why they did what they did doesn't necessarily always mean, you know, that they don't have blind spots. And by being a good leader, by being a good manager, sometimes, you know, what your role is in those cases is pointing those out in a very mm-hmm. constructive way. So next time they're faced with an issue or a situation like that, they have a better you know grasp of how to handle them,:
2: mm-hmm. absolutely there There's a great quote out there that, that and it's not mine, but the quote is, um, "Sometimes the problem is the way we see the problem." Yeah, And when Mm. we can look at the issue through a different lens, it's almost like imagining yourself sitting in a different seat or putting on a different pair of glasses to view the situation through without any attachment to what happened and what might be when you can do that and see the problem differently. The ideas and options for resolution uh, seem to surface. Miscommunication gets clarified. And one quote that I say all the time in in the trainings that I do and working with teams and companies, I always say proving someone wrong does not make you right. And I learned that in the correctional system and then I revisited that when I was working as a mediator that I remember the very early mediations that I did and the energy that the participants in the mediation would put out there trying to make the other person be the person in the wrong so that they could be the person in the right. And when you can cut through that, that's where the dialogue really starts to take a more proactive approach.
0: Yeah. And you know, the thing is, it's like you want to learn as a manager, as a business owner, What went wrong with the situation, but also could you have done something as the manager to make a change, Mm -hmm. to make a difference? And can you do something later to, you know, improve the way that you are leading and therefore running your business and maybe you can make some more money. <laughs> you
1: know, but, you know, <laughs> if that's what your motivation is. You know? well, like, and definitely have better how customer satisfaction and you exactly. retention. I mean, there's a lot of positives. Exactly. That like
0: whatever those motivators are for you, like um, this can be a, a way of getting closer to that because everything Absolutely. is just getting a little bit better. You know what? Uh, we've got to take a short break here, but when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for business. Also thanks for reviewing for those of you that have reviewed on whatever platform that you're listening on. You're awesome. Thank you for doing that. And if you haven't yet, you're you're still potentially awesome. Uh, You just just have to do that, uh, that whole review thing. Uh, Okay. So reviews. um, That's, that's something, you know, that a lot of businesses you know, worry about. Right. And they think that that is listening to their customers. I don't think that the reading reviews is listening to your customers. I think actually listening to your customers is listening to your customers, right? There's listening to your customers and there's listening to your employees, whatever you're doing in business, listening is like key. And in a conversation, listening is like, I I forget the, the exact quote, but I think it's Mark Twain. If uh, if uh, God had wanted us to to talk as much as we uh, listen, He would have given us two mouths and uh, two ears. <laughs> we have That's one right. mouth, two ears, so that should be how much you're listening to people. Yes. Let's let's get into that uh, and and dig into listening. I'm I'm going to stop talking so that I can listen to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I couldn't agree more that listening skills are essential. Probably the most difficult skill in communication and conflict resolution because. Typically as humans, when emotion starts to surface in a difficult dialogue, whether that's frustration or anger, anxiety, fear, uh, whatever that emotion is, the more uh, prevalent the emotion, the higher the anxiety, the harder it is to listen. It's just what happens. And listening, when we're listening, we're actually taking on a lot of responsibility. We're having to listen to what the person's saying, make sense of it because not always do people communicate exactly what they mean. And and so we have to do a lot of deciphering mm-hmm. to find out what they mean. One of the challenges with listening is that people will use the skill of what I say, call hearing. They're hearing what you say. But while you're talking, they're using that time while somebody's lips are moving to plan their reaction, plan their retort, plan their statement, which means they're not really engaged in the dialogue. And then what happens is that dialogue just seems to be clunky, messy and not forward moving. Listening is a powerful skill. And when we can do that effectively without um, always being attached to an outcome, the information that our teams can share with us, our fellow leaders and our customers, even external stakeholders that we might deal with, the information they might give us is gold, but often we don't hear it because we have too much other um, distractions going on.
1: What I'm really curious about, Charmaine, is when people are hearing and not listening, I, I tend to think that it's part of the reason why they're not actively listening is because of their own filters, mm-hmm. right? They they have whatever history that has caused them to see things through a certain lens, right? They have their filters, and what I'm curious about is how do you work with them to kind of get through mm-hmm. that so that you know it's not blocking uh, them actually actively listening properly.
2: Yeah, I love that you use the word filters, Greg, because we all do that with communication. I like to think of communication actually as a spaghetti strainer or a colander, I guess would be the technical Uh term. But when you put the noodles in there and you pour the water over the water, kind of filters out throughout the holes. And we actually filter communication the same way we filter it on how much sleep we got the night before, Um, how we're feeling in the moment, what we think about this person, our own anxiety or fear level about the conversation and our own triggers. We all have triggers. We have experience (laughs) that kind of comes in and sometimes takes us by surprise. We've all been there. One of the things that we can do, if we are that person in the conversation and you notice that the physiological changes in your body are happening, for example, your shoulders feel like they're going up around or your shoulders feel like they're up around your ears, uh, your mouth gets dry, your speed of your speech increases, pay attention to the these nonverbal signs and physiological signs, because it probably means that you're filtering communication, you're not listening and it's just going to be tougher to resolve the issue. Another piece with filters is to know what your triggers are. Know what are the behaviors that other people might display. I think back to one of my mediations that I did in a team, and there was about 20 people in the around the table, and one of them had a huge um, a trigger that when somebody would sigh and say, whatever, it was a huge trigger for this person. And everybody knew it and everyone would kind of chuckle. And sometimes I think there was purposeful sighing and and to create a rise in the room, but it really made it difficult for this person to focus. And when that person became aware that this was a real trigger, and I actually appreciate her courage because she shared with her team, she said, team, I got to fess up this is a real trigger. (laughs) The teen (laughs) laughed and said, you think? (laughs) There was a lot of humor and playfulness, uh, respectful playfulness that happened. But she said, I'm just cluing in now. And when I hear it, I can't even engage in the conversation. I go from listening to anger and I can't even, and and once she knew what the trigger was, it was no longer problematic. So we've got to be aware of our triggers.
1: I'm just taking a wild guess that she's a parent of a teenager. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Exact And you know what's uh, funny story she was we, we asked that about that later <laughs> and she and she she's, she was a parent of a 14-year-old daughter who apparently did this all the time. But what was interesting when somebody said why does it bug you so much? What a great question. Coming from Mm -hmm. another team member around the table, why does it bug you so much? And I remember her sitting there thinking, and the group was totally okay with her being silent. And it felt like an eternity. It was probably a minute, but it felt like forever. And then she said, I remember as a kid, anytime I put my hand up in school, I never got picked to share my perspective. And when I'd share my perspective, the whole class had had their say and whatever I said, didn't feel meaningful. And then okay. as a parent, I'm told whatever all the time. And it's bring for her, it was just bringing up feelings from the past that she wasn't even aware that she had. They weren't hugely traumatic. But when she was able to trace where it came from, she thought, well, I got to let go of that. That was like half a lifetime ago. And it just made it easier to move away from that particular trigger or filter.
0: Yeah, it's so cool that she was able to figure that out and then disclose that to everyone. I mean, that that is yeah. that is awesome. Like I, I in this show, like when our first few episodes, right? Like <laughs> I, I had this conversation with Greg. I'm like, I get to the point of where I'm supposed to ask a question. I don't know. I can't, I, I have to go to my list of questions because I, I don't know what we were talking about at that point because I was so paying attention to editing the audio and doing this and doing, sure. and, you know, writing down little markers and doing all this stuff. And it's like, once I realized that and, and figured out that that was a problem and I changed it, the interviews got so much more fun for me (laughs) because (laughs) I was actually there and, and, and paying attention. And then I started to think like, where else do I do that in my life? (laughs) <laughs> so the show brought that that one out of uh, brought that one out me.
2: <laughs> well what you're talking about is so important though in communication you're talking about being present right mm-hmm. you're yeah. talking about yeah. being yeah. present being engaged and I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to say the right thing at the very right time and the reality is when I was going through my mediation training many many years ago I remember one of my favorite instructors said people zone out about every seven seconds and I said mm part. What does that mean? And so the instructor said, and I've used this for years too and tested this, that when we're listening and participating, we get distractions. Somebody walks by, we see them and then we come back. Or somebody says, oh, you know, Charmaine worked in the prison system. And then our mind might go to, oh, I wonder if it was like, the orange is the new black movie. And then they come back and, you know, or somebody says, Oh, I lived in such and such an area. Oh, my brother lives there too. And this is all happening in our head. We're not saying it out loud, but we zone out and we zone back in. And, and when we really focus on being present, we don't miss those nonverbal dynamics as much and what's happening in the room. And it's easier to kind of fit back into the conversation because when we feel like we've zoned out and it's like, How did we even get here? I've missed half the dialogue, which happens when we're under stress. We zone out longer. Right. And I've actually worked with people who never zone back in. They don't check back in. They've checked out emotionally (laughs) out of the dialogue.
0: You're totally right. (laughs) I I completely agree with you. I need to watch the new Orange Orange is the New Black (laughs) episode. And
2: that Uh, wasn't what my life was like there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, the other thing that I was going to like that I do, I take notes now during these. Uh, During interviews, because I just, that keeps me active listening. You know, it keeps me focused Mm. so that, and actually I I did want to ask about the prison thing. Uh, (laughs) I I did write that down because that would be fun to talk about, but that that might be a whole other episode too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Lots of stories there, lots of learnings, painful learnings.
1: I mean, you would think there's a lot of conflict resolution in a prison. You would think. (laughs)
2: You know what, though, Greg? There was, there was so much conflict resolution there. And the easier conflicts, believe it or not, looking back now, it may not have felt that way in the moment. But I I learned that a lot of the conflicts that happened with the inmates were in one sense, a little easier to deal with. We Hmm. had really clear policies. We had backup. We had support. We had all these things to assist us with dealing with conflict. Was it uncomfortable and scary? Yes, Uh, but we had a lot of clarity. Now, in our teams around the table and around the lunchroom and in our discussions, what worked with the inmates did not work within our team conversations. And when I left that career, when I left, I was actually in a leadership position of a young offender facility, and I had to essentially unlearn a lot of what I had learned previously and learn new skills so that I could resolve conflict effectively and use a stronger, more um, um, beneficial, meaningful way to communicate with people. I found the, the issues within the team were often more difficult and uncomfortable than the issues within amongst the inmate groups.
1: I could totally see that because in one sense, when you're dealing with the inmates and you're a guard. You know, there's a different role, right? There's a different hierarchy. You, you know, you're obviously you know, more authoritative in, in that position. Whereas when you're dealing with your peers, you know, that's a different dynamic. And absolutely, I could totally see where it would be night and day between dealing with the two parties. Mm-hmm. What I love about what you do, Charmaine, and and working with these businesses is, you know, ultimately you're trying to inspire a a better environment for their corporation an environment where communication is stronger that's more open Um, and and when we come back from break i want to dive in a little bit more about what you're doing with different corporations and outside of business to really inspire wellness so we'll be right back we're back with uh, DIY for Business, Russ and Greg here. You can find all our episodes on thebestbusinessnetwork.com. We're also affiliated with Electricast Media. Go to their website as well. Today we're talking to Charmaine Hammond. She's an expert in communication and conflict resolution. And before the break, we really identified the fact that what she's doing with these corporations is inspiring wellness within within that business. And uh, Charmaine, I want you to kind of expand on that thought.
2: Mm, It's such an important conversation right now. Um, Organizations, businesses, despite the type of business we've been in, there's been a lot of change and change is tough for people. Change surfaces conflict and challenges and it impacts resilience and wellness. And I'm really seeing right now organizations, so leaders, teams, Um, struggling with wellness and in some companies where they're kind of returning to the workplace, there's a lot of challenges in in terms of uh, reuniting the team, for lack of a better word. So inspiring wellness, inspiring resilience is really important right now. One way to do that is by creating opportunities for people to connect. Connection is an important part of wellness, but it's also an important part of communication and team building Really focusing on creating that team culture where vulnerability is okay. It's okay to ask for help, for example. Uh, it's okay to lend support to a colleague. So creating the culture. And, and then also for leaders, one of the things that I think is critical right now is leaders Sort of modeling or talking about why mental health, positive mental health in the workplace is important. The companies that I work with that are having these conversations and inviting conversations about mental health and resilience are the ones that seem to be coping and navigating really well. And when you create that environment where people feel safe, they are more likely to have the conversations that need to happen. I call it courageous dialogue. And they're more likely to put their wellness first. If the leader is not uh, managing well in terms of their own resilience, it it changes the the feeling or tone in the team. So people learn a lot from what they see.
1: Yeah, this topic really hits home for me, Charmaine, because uh, my daughter, she's in law school right now, high stress situation, and I'm so proud of her because um, she's heading up the wellness committee for the law school for the students because awesome. it is such a stressful situation. They need the support system to help them with their mental wellness. Yeah. Otherwise, the stress can be, become overwhelming. And, yes. you know, we've seen the stats of, you know, law students. You know, it's, it's such a high-pressure situation. Uh, right. So many students have a very difficult time on handling it, so it's not just in the yes. workplace; it, it's kind of everywhere that everywhere. stress gets overwhelming.
2: Uh, it totally, it's everywhere. One of the one of the organizations in Canada that I do a lot of work with, they're actually one of our partners on a movie that I that I'll talk about later. But um, Canadian Mental Health Association was sharing some recent stats around mental health in the workplace. Um, in the times that we're living through right now. And I remember David saying years ago, we used to say one in five people will be impacted by mental health issues in the workplace. And he said, right now, I think we can probably say five in five, all of us <laughs> have been impacted. Um, and these conversations are really important. I love that your daughter is leading up the wellness committee. That's amazing. Um, these kind of committees or employee resource groups are so important. And the companies that I see doing things like what your daughter is doing, making wellness a priority and having a committee or projects around that, those are the organizations that I think are really going to fare well. They're also the organizations that are probably going to be more resilient because change and challenge will happen all the time. Right now, it's a pandemic. Next year, it could be something different. We lose a a long-term customer, for example, and there's a crisis in the workplace. And so building those resilience skills is critical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You you just mentioned a movie. Uh, And now, you know, I see I'm using my listening skills. I'm I'm not getting distracted.
2: (laughs) Tell us about the movie. So the movie, back home again, I'm the executive producer. It's an animated movie. I should say award-winning animated movie. And it's, yes, thank you. It's based on the Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada wildfires that happened in 2016. It was the biggest uh, evacuation in Canadian history. And the screenwriter, Michael Mankowski, who was a born and raised Fort McMurrayite, he um, grew grew up there, was living there at the time of the fires. When he returned back to the community, he really wanted to create um, an educational tool. He's a screenwriter and producer on other projects. And he wanted to create something that would help people talk about tough times and resilience and coming home after challenge. And he determined that um, animation is a way of kind of softening a little bit, Mm. some really tough topics. And we have an incredible cast that all contributed, volunteered their time and voice to this movie to help us inspire conversations about mental health around the globe. And, And the cast includes a few of them, Michael J. Fox, um, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, um, Kim Basinger, Howie Mandel, uh, who else? Ed Asner, the late Ed Asner. We were really sad about his passing in August. Uh, Norm MacDonald, and the list goes on. An incredible voice cast who voiced the characters who are the animals who live in the forest. And so the movie is, it's a beautiful, a beautiful movie that Michael has uh, put together a 30 minute short. And we're actually having our U S premiere right now at Cinequest uh, film festival in California. And then that will be in per That's online right now. And then in person in August, and it's making its way through film festivals. The key and the connection to mental health is that, Michael wanted to create a movie that while it's a a local story, it's really a global message. And so this movie is that way of starting and inspiring those conversations about mental health.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And such a great cast. Jeez. Oh,
2: (laughs) I
1: know. That's amazing. It's a who's who. Yeah.
2: It's an amazing cast. And, you know, there's a lot of connection to the film. Um, Martin Short, for example, was being evacuated from the fires in california at the Mm. time that we were wanting needing to record his voice and kim basinger uh, one of our voice cast, she voices mother bear in the movie (laughs) and uh she actually lost her home um in the in the california wildfires and you know you you can hear when every time i listen to the movie i've seen it i don't even know how many times but a lot and every time i hear um, Kim voicing Mother Bear. It's just this rush of goosebumps all over mm. my body. I mean, you can just hear um, her connection to the story that she is voicing. And um, what, what's been really interesting for us in this project is that we really saw it as a tool for workplaces to use this as a lunch and learn. It's a 30 minute film.
1: Know, um, it's a family yeah.
2: friendly film. So you can watch this in the workplace and then have a conversation with the team. It's, a, it's appropriate for families and children and, and schools to use. And that's exactly what we're seeing now is that it's inspiring those much needed dialogues.
0: That's awesome. And and you also, you, you're a person that, that can go and, and talk at these businesses or talk at conferences um, where these yes. businesses can attend. Can you tell us a little about that?
2: Yes, I've been speaking for many, many years, uh, teaching and speaking in organizations and businesses in many different sectors. And typically, I speak and train on the topics of conflict resolution, communication, team culture, and resilience. And, and what i've learned over the years of, of speaking now to um getting close to 750,000 people around wow. the world and and just as many on virtual platforms as well um i've learned that when people learn practical skills and tools something that they can hear and then take away and use at the dinner table with their family or tomorrow at work those are the skills that people start to feel really confident about using and so part of My role, I think, as a speaker is not only teaching skills, but helping people feel confident to use them because we've all been there where we go to a workshop or a training and we come home and we're inspired and then we never put what we learn into action. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's too common.
1: It's too common. So for our (laughs) listeners that want to get a hold of you and uh, maybe use you as a speaker or as a a coach, um, what's the best way to reach out to you?
2: Best way is either on LinkedIn. I'm in LinkedIn. And for those of you who prefer websites, it would be CharmaineHammond.com. And Charmaine is with a C. And if it's about the movie, you can actually find me on those two places as well. And the movie has its own website. And that is BackHomeAgainMovie.com.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll get links to those in the podcast description yeah. as well for those uh, that are listening. If you want to uh, head over there, you can just do so by clicking the links in the description. Thank you so much for joining us tonight.
2: Thank you. Really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Oh, I, I really enjoyed it, Charmaine. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you for listening and subscribing, reviewing DIY for Business, part of the Best Business Network and Electricast Media. The subjects that we cover on the podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based, and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your business to succeed, and we are happy to take your questions. We'd also love to hear your suggestions for future episodes if there's an area of your business where you feel like, hey, you know what? Russ and Greg could talk about this and 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 I can learn more about this. Well, hey, let us know. Head over to our website diyforbusinesspodcast.com. That link is available in the description as well. We also love talking to business owners, so you know what? Hey, head over there, fill it out, and maybe we will talk to you as well. We thank you for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business where you are not alone. Or Whatever Movies is our podcast.
2: A movie discussion podcast hosted by yours truly, Iris, and my older brother.
0: I'm Wesley. So we talk about recent and favorite feature films.
2: In a brotherly and sisterly way.
0: <laughs> is that good or bad? It's great. And between the two of us, we've seen thousands of
1: movies.
2: So check out hundreds of episodes at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And subscribe to Or Whatever Movies, presented by Society 13 and the ElectroCast Network.
0: Mastercast. Mastercast. The Geo Godfather Wars is an all-new podcast giving you the real talk on understanding how geopolitics impacts you and your world. Join your host, Barack Senor, and me, Leah Tedro, each week as we unpack the complexities, strategies, and players running the world, and how those forces affect your everyday life and decisions, whether you know it or not. Available wherever you listen to your
1: podcasts. See you there. Electric app.